All right, guys. You are listening to Commercial Finance, sponsored by Lee Chandler. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for joining in for today. Uh, the topic of discussion is actually basis or touching the basis. And I will have you know that we are not talking about baseball necessarily, right? We're talking about just touching the basis uh, when it comes to uh, commercial finance. So basis is, is, a, uh, is a term or terminology that, that people use in commercial finance and the banking arena. Um, when it comes to capital, but also uh, touches more on when it comes to um, a price point. Okay, so when you're looking at it, when you're looking at an asset, whether it is a business, um, some type of entity, that could also be that of a building. Um, you're going to say, "Hey, at what basis are you getting into that? Right? At what basis are you getting into um, that entity?" But Essentially, what someone is asking you is, what is the price point um, for that building? What is the price point that you're getting into it? Now, just because something is listed at, you know, 1.2 million, okay? Uh, the rule of thumb is that something is only worth worth the value someone else is willing to trade for it, right? And they're trading their capital, their dollars, uh, in exchange for that asset. So something is only worth the amount someone is someone else is willing to, to buy for it. So, with that being said, that is what basis is. Now, the the primary reason that this is a topic for today is that some would say that we are looking at uh, a mar- a market top, or we have been in a market top for quite some time, and we're having a lot of a lot of different things, uh, a lot of different elements. In our current uh, market or industry, and probably certain regions of the United States, um, that we have a lot of compression that we normally would not have. Okay, we have what some would some would consider and say that the uh, the rental amount, so the the amount that someone could charge for rent, is stagnant or in a in a decline. Okay, uh, we would say that. Uh, interest rates are rising, so that is also compressing a little bit when it comes to value or what someone's basis may be. Uh, we could also say that because of these factors, um, prices have been probably at an all-time high, uh, especially for certain regions in uh, in the coastal areas, right? So that means that our basis or our cap rate is probably compressed to smaller of those, those factors. Um, for those of us who are not familiar with what a cap rate is, essentially a cap rate um, is dictated primarily by price um, and then also how long, it's a, it's a formula to find out how long or, or what percentage can you expect annually to uh, essentially make your money back, right? So the smaller or the more compressed a cap rate is, then the more likely um, that it's going to take you a longer period of time. So, for example, if a cap rate for 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 a property is 10% in comparison to a cap rate for a property that is, let's say, 3%, okay? I'll have you know that without even knowing the ins and outs of the operation, the building, the management, uh, the operating expenses, 
uh, income such as and so forth, I can already tell you that a 10% cap rate is more attractive and more valuable than, than the latter, right? So the higher the cap rate, the better benefit it gives or shows when it comes to uh, a investment property, okay? So that's, that's what's most important when it comes to a cap rate. And that, and that also dictates or, or kind of ties in when someone talks about basis, okay? So essentially, we always want to get in, get in at a low basis. And we don't necessarily know if it is considered the lowest basis until we get into the negotiating um, rounds, right? But a rule of thumb is that you want a low basis. Um, so you may want something that is a 10% cap rate. You may want something that is a 12% cap rate, but we don't know. We don't. We, we don't know what we can. What we can do. All right. But you should have a, have a rule of thumb that you can't. You know, you, you can't go any lower than blank. All right. And that's important to know. So, with that being said, when it comes to when it comes to a basis, um, if the asset is the stress. The asset is the stress. You want to take in consideration. You want to factor in one: what type of exit strategy um, will it have? You want to factor in um, what type of management is necessary. You also want to factor in what can be done in the short term to reposition that asset. Okay, this can work for a business. This can work for a building. But you want to you want to you want to take all that into account because when you are in when you are looking for the asset you're adding it you're adding it to your portfolio. If it is a distressed asset, it probably will take time before that asset becomes performing. And I mean, this is the same for a business, the same for uh, a franchise, online business, um, a retail store, uh, mixed use shopping center. It's the same. If it is distressed, it's distressed for a reason, okay? And nine times out of ten, um, oftentimes sellers don't even know why their property is distressed, okay? And if they do, um, it's probably, you know, if it's human error, a lot of times for, for real estate, especially, it has to deal with the fact that uh, that they probably mismanage um, the asset at some point in time, okay? And most people, you know, most people don't own up to that. Uh, they normally blame their their property manager. Uh, they normally blame someone or something else, uh, whatever. But most do not know. Okay. So, what is, what's the time frame? Normally, if it's uh, a commercial building and it has multiple units, I'm going to say uh, by multiple, I'm saying any, anything north of ten units. I would suggest that a good turnaround time would be about nine months, okay? And that's and, and that, that's in a distress ratio, okay? If it's less than that, I would I would suggest uh, somewhere between ninety days or three months um, to really to really get a turn. Um, but on average, if it's more than ten units, I would suggest uh, nine months, okay? Now you may think to yourself. Man, 
nine months is a long time. And yeah, that is a long time. Um, but what we consider that, that time period when, when you're paying on a note, paying on a loan, um, paying on an asset because of lending, we consider that carry cost or carrying cost. And that's just you carrying the cost um, of you facilitating or managing or repositioning or repairing or renovating that asset um, until, right, until you are able to possibly refinance, until you're able to possibly sell, um, until you're, you're able to dilute uh, certain parts of the asset, right? All, all of that still play, plays a part. So, for example, uh, VCs and venture capitalist firms, what they will do is they will purchase uh, either a startup or a, um, a poor-performing uh, business, okay? And as they, as they purchase it, they already have a time frame as far as how long how long they plan on um, holding that asset, managing that asset, or, or having it be a part of their portfolio, okay? So, and I, and I can give you guys a really good example, probably with Toys R Us. Um, Toys R Us was purchased by a, a firm, uh, a, a, a venture capital firm, and they're, in my opinion, what happens sometimes is that some of the VCs come in and they really like to lever up all the assets on the books, right, on the balance sheet. And they like to leverage that to the heel. Um, and then once it's leveraged, they kind of have a, a, a schedule of when exactly they expect, they expect that asset to either perform um, or basically uh, going go into some form of default. And that's based what happened with Toys R Us. So, normally, if it's a business, you can expect the turnaround, uh, depending on how, how severe and depending on what kind of management you add to the business when you uh, when you purchase it. But for small businesses, you can expect the turnaround time uh, normally, normally within a year, okay? Normally within a year. And of course, that depends on how well uh, the management team is that's coming in or if it's already or, or if you're keeping the current management team i can tell you right now that if it's a small business and it's uh, not performing and you keep the current management team uh 99 percent of the time uh that small business is going to uh continue the same operation traits and possibly go ahead and you know really de default as well but if you bring in, you know, a, a new CEO, um, a new marketing director, or a new sales manager, um, and there's some new blood, and, they, and there is experience there, um, there's a 50-50 chance that that, that asset uh, will turn around, okay? That asset will turn around. Um, one of the cool things when it comes to real estate, uh, especially, is that it's not too hard to find it's not too hard to find um, a well-performing management team, right? Because uh, that essentially is no different from you finding a good property management company, all right? And a lot of times, um, most, property management, most property management companies will allow you to uh, add them on or, or add your asset to, to their management portfolio 
um, and your biggest thing is, is will we'll, we'll probably be you know negotiating a fee or such. Okay. Um, bigger firms, bigger firms uh, like a Kite Realty, they have their management in house, so which means that you know their acquisition team is in house, uh, their property management team is in house, their maintenance team is in house, uh, and so forth. Okay. So when that happens, and it's for, for an example, um, if it's a, if it's proven, if it's proven well for one shopping center, then there's a high there's a, a good probability that they'll turn around the next shopping center. Okay. But you want to make sure that whatever that is for you, that there's adequate time given and there's adequate time for a expectation to have uh, a poor performing asset turned into good okay so when we're talking about basis normally the lower the basis right the lower that price point the higher that that, that potential cap rate is normally uh that's the smaller value when it comes to um what you're buying that asset for and that's what, make, that's what makes it so so awesome so beautiful um is that when you're buying a distressed asset there's a reason it's, it's distressed and the sooner you can figure out the, the true reason behind why it's distressed uh, the better you are positioned to go ahead and structure um, your business and also structure uh, your portfolio to expect those returns, okay? So, with all that being said, when it comes to commercial finance, you you want to always get the lowest basis that you can for your asset, for your portfolio. Um, and your reason for, get, for, getting, for getting that low basis is that it gives you the biggest potential upside, okay? But it also gives you... Um, it also gives you great insight and a great uh, format or game plan to repeat that process, okay? To repeat that process. Keep in mind that small and large portfolios um, all start with, a, with an asset. And your, your portfolio should be no different. You're starting with an asset, okay? That asset could be a house. That asset, that asset could be a new business. It could be... Um, it could be 50% equity in someone else's small business, okay? It could be um, an office building, an apartment complex. But every portfolio starts with at least one asset, all right? And once you have positioned an asset to run, um, where it's, you know, essentially automated, where you're, where you're receiving what's considered a coupon um, in your checking account or, or, your, or your mailbox on a regular basis, monthly, quarterly um, basis, then at that point, it's, it's a good indicator for you to go in and, and look for the search for the next asset okay but the last thing you want and, and I've seen it happen I've had clients that go on a rapid purchase spree uh, and we'll you know we'll purchase 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 but you, you don't want to forget about uh, the importance after you purchase to always uh, manage and position give you guys a quick before we, before we get before we end this uh, this episode give you guys a quick example um, we all know about Alexander the Great right uh, we're all taught about that in grade school and things like that or in college. And they talk about Alexander the Great. Um, and they'll tell you that he was a great conqueror. And I want you to keep in mind, they never said Alexander the Great was a great ruler. Okay? You'll always hear people say that Alexander the Great was a great conqueror. And that's right. He was a great conqueror. Um, as a metaphor, you can put it as Alexander, when it comes to assets or portfolio, 
Alexander the Great was a great uh, acquisitionist. He was great at, at acquiring more and more assets. Alexander the Great, believe it or not, was not very good at managing um, or ruling over people, right? So he, if and back back into our metaphor, he would not be someone that would be good as uh, being a, a portfolio manager or managing um, the assets because Alexander the Great, he didn't have a succession plan. That's one, right? Or for us, it would be considered an estate planning and, and things like that, or a will and, and so forth. But not only not only that, um, but Alexander the Great, when he was conquering these uh, these communities, nations, cultures, uh, city states, and so forth, uh, and regions, he wasn't setting up some type of diplomacy, or he wasn't setting up some type of rulership. Um, he was essentially allowing his generals to rule, but they had no good structure. So much so that after Alexander the Great died, uh, well, let me back up. Before he died, um, as a way for him to try to uh, bring together Persia, he had his uh, his buddies or his comrades, or his warriors, marry um, King Darius, uh, King Darius's uh, sisters and and nieces and cousins and all that stuff as a way to kind of sway uh, the public that, hey, we're all one culture, we're all one, we're all together. But in fact, um, you know, that didn't work. It actually made people upset, right, and so forth. And people uh, began to despise him. He ended up dying. And as a result, everything fell apart. <laughs> so if you think about it, he spent majority majority of his life building, right, or conquering. Um, but he did, he never actually... Um, spent time governing or managing those those conquests, all right, or the fruits of those conquests. And I see that happen a lot of times uh, when it comes to um, just people people in the world, right? Spend a lot of time going after that that asset or building that portfolio. And the acquisition is always fun; it really is. Um, but it's important to manage. So my rule of thumb is. If, if you're someone that is, that is in that hyper or, or rapid acquisition phase, um, what you should do, what you, what you want to do is go ahead and, you know, if you can't at least, by rule of thumb, uh, for every one acquisition, you know, make sure it's managed and stabilized before you go after the next, then do it for every two, right? Because the last thing that you want is to, to be like Alexander the Great. After you've uh, expanded your conquest to minor to Asia Minor, Asia Asia Minor, uh, to look back, and your entire kingdom is in disarray, and people are just kind of ruling themselves, um, ultimately, right? But you're not necessarily being a ruler of them; they're essentially being a ruler of you. You don't want that, all right? So, with that being said, <laughs> went the long way. Um, know that it's important to get in at, at a low basis. Expect when you get in at a low basis for an asset that there will be distress. Find out what that distress is. Correct it. Um, try your hardest to always get new management team in there. It's easier said for real estate uh, than it is for an operating business because that means you have to hire new people. Um, and if the and if for a small business, if you're hiring new people and you already are, are low on cash flow, like like a distressed company would be. 
then you have to get into those agreements with, with new hires in reference to equity compensation and so forth, um, different agreements and performance bonuses and, and so forth, right? But um, it's, easier, it's easier to say it for real estate because um, if there's a proven management team, you want to go ahead and go for that proven, proven management team. And it's not hard to find proven uh, good real estate management teams, right? It is, it's harder to find good proven um, marketing directors who are available to leave their current position or job to help your business, right? So nonetheless, get in at a low basis. Expect that there, that there will be there will there will be distress. Find out what that distress is. Put in put in new management, and then after uh, it's been proven and performed, then go out for your next acquisition. All right. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you soon.